Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You're listening to the Heroes Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome back to Red Shirts and Runabouts, your Star Trek podcast here on the Heroes Podcast Network. This is episode 102, and we're discussing episode 785 of Star Trek, also known as Star Trek Lower Decks, episode 7. So um, That was a lot. <laughs> a lot of track. The uh, episode entitled Much Ado About Boimler. So there you go. Before we dive into the episode and spoilers galore, let's talk a little bit of Trek news. So first up, really only up, we really only have one piece of Star Trek news this week, and it has to do with CBS All Access. Earlier this summer, it was rumored that Paramount and CBS merging back together under the Viacom brand would mean a change to CBS All Access, and it seems we now know what that is. Early 2021, CBS All Access will be rebranded to Paramount Plus, which will include all of the CBS All Access content that we have now, along with some new originals, as well as content from more content from Nickelodeon, MTV, and the, of course, Paramount Films. Do you guys have any strong feelings about this? one way or another because i can tell you that twitter has opinions no of what? Course I do. that's so unlike twitter <laughs> so what do you think you guys like it don't like it don't care where do you fit in this okay here's my hot take all right hot take it doesn't affect me <laughs> that was that was very bold of you <laughs> it was very very bold uh zach yeah. uh I, I no rebuttal. I just hope that the user interface sucks less than CBS All Access. You don't like the UI? I do not. And it's I haven't so, had any problems with it. It's just, and I'm, I'm I'm watching it on my PS4, and maybe that's the problem. Maybe it's the PS4 app. But I don't like. There's a few things I don't like. Uh, I don't like that I have to use the X button as opposed to um, what is it normally. No, it's, I don't have to use the X button. On my remote, I have to... Um, it's a different button on my remote for select. Instead of using the OK button, I have to use the X button. Okay. And that that's a whole thing. It, it's, it's you know, not a big deal in the grand scheme of things. But uh, I also don't like the way certain things are nested. Like, I, le- I don't like that the uh, ready room is nested after um, the individual shows instead of just being its own thing. Because the, the first time I wanted to watch the ready room, uh, I had to... I tried searching for it and I'm like, well, this is ridiculous. Why is it not searchable? But interesting because it's nested under the specific show, which I get why they did that. But yeah, I just, I'm, I'm a big fan of Netflix UI and Disney plus uh, Hulu is all right. Um, 
but even like HBO and CBS, just they leave a lot to be desired. Interesting. In my opinion. Interesting. So we, we watch both uh, CBS All Access and HBO Max through our Xbox. And from a UI perspective, I haven't had any issues. So I can't, I can't speak to that. We did notice that some of the quality of the older Star Trek shows are actually better on my DVD copies. Like DS9, yeah. for example, has a more crisp image on the DVDs than if you're streaming it, which, I don't know, seems a little silly. But uh, chat's saying that they, they've had issues with the CBS All Access app on Amazon Fire uh, TV. So, you know, maybe the Xbox UI is different for some reason. I don't know. We do have a remote, yeah. and the remote works fine, so I don't use a controller or anything. But um, I don't know. But, yeah, so, I mean, the name Paramount Plus, does anybody have any? It's, it's fine, right? It's fine. I don't know. Some people are really yeah. mad about it being called Paramount Plus. I, I, don't, I think it's fine. It's an alliteration, and Paramount is just one of many corporations. And I, 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 you know, strong feelings about corporate, you know, whatever. But I, you know, Paramount's small fish compared to the other corporations. I would like to see fry. <laughs> it's kind of a dark take on the name of a streaming service, but okay. Right. <laughs> I mean, I like, I, like I was. I was upset when the, the Midland rebranded as Arvis Bank. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm upset when when concert venues rebrand as the name of a financial institution. Like, gotcha. that, that seems soulless. But, like, Paramount, whatever. We know, like, you know, Paramount's making the money on this, and that's whatever. So I have no strong opinions. Fair enough. I think Paramount Plus sounds better than CBS All Access. That sounds clunky. Yeah by comparison it does so but the alliteration it rolls off the tongue it's nice yeah now I, um, things. I did a poll on twitter so ray and i <laughs> we finished up our deep space nine rewatch it was ray's first watch through the whole series and we decided to start voyager and you know i thought to myself i haven't really asked this question in a long time what is the best pilot for a Star Trek show. And of course on Twitter, you only get four options. So I couldn't put every show. So I kind of went with the quote golden era, which is basically the nineties, but including enterprise, right? So from 1987 to 2004 is basically the golden era of Star Trek when we had a show and movies in production all constantly. And so those are the, those are the four next gen DS nine Voyager and enterprise. And I want to talk about the poll results, but <laughs> I'm curious, Zach, what's your favorite pilot of those four? Um, my favorite pilot of those four that I recall is Deep Space Nine. Um, but you and I have spoken this week about Enterprise. and I, I don't have strong positive feelings towards much of Enterprise before season three. Uh, I didn't hate it, but I didn't really fall for it until season three. Mm. Um, I love the characters, but not necessarily the show itself. Um, but, uh, you know, I need to rewatch it, so I may change my mind. But as of right now, it's Deep Space Nine. Fair enough. Fair enough. Ray, at this point, you've seen three of these four pilots. Yes. So putting aside that you haven't seen the Enterprise pilot for a moment, which of the other three do you think is the best? I'm going to go with uh, DS9 as well. Okay. Choose the Emissary. The Emissary. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I actually go with enterprise i think enterprise has the best pilot of those four um personally but 
the Twitter polls are very interesting. So it's a pretty even split between three of the four. DS9 is currently winning. I still have a day and a half on the poll. DS9 is currently winning with 34%, followed by Voyager with 29%, and then Enterprise with 26%, which leaves a measly little 10% for next gen. <laughs> so um, I thought it was just kind of interesting how the other three are, they're kind of close, right? They're all almost 30%, and then huge drop off for next gen. So, is Next Gen your least favorite of the four? Because I think it uh, is for me. Yeah, I would say so. I don't know. I mean, maybe Voyager? I, I'm not sure. The, the pilots for TNG and Voyager are pretty clunky. Voyager's, like, it, it's very convoluted, and I just don't feel like a ton of the characters knew what they wanted to do just yet. So yeah, there's that. And then of course, TNGs was incredibly sterile. If mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. So. The characters weren't fleshed out yet. You know what? I'm actually going to say Voyager's my least favorite pilot simply because John Delancey was on the pilot of, it, of uh, <laughs> TNG and Unfair. he carried that episode. <laughs> Yeah, okay. He he really did. Yeah, all right. Fair enough. It should have been the John DeLancey show. <laughs> yes. Well, too bad I can't segue this, because there's a nice segue from Encounter at Farpoint to tonight's episode, Much Ado About Boimler, but we'll have to mm-hmm. circle back to that. Um, so to wrap up our kind of news discussion section, just a little bit of scheduling information, you know, housekeeping stuff. So, um, you know, no, no, like, crazy details, but long story short – we're going to need next week off. And um, that's because Ray and I are about to have our first kid, which theoretically will happen on Thursday if things go according to plan. And so we will not be able to record Thursday evening with the release of episode eight of Lower Decks. So what are we going to do? Well, right now the plan is to just do a double episode the following week. Uh, with at least two out of the three of us in this conversation right now, uh, so we can <laughs> we can catch up and and do that. So uh, that's I thought the goal. it was going to be a four person show. Get this get this kid started off right. <laughs> we'll we'll see how she behaves, I suppose. Uh, but that's the plan right now. So next week we're taking a break, uh, having a kid, and then we're going to come back the week after in some capacity to talk about episodes eight and nine together as a big bonus double episode of red shirts and runabouts so that is the plan right there uh, with that in mind we're going to go ahead and take a short break and when we come back we will be discussing in spoiler detail star trek lower decks episode seven much ado about boimler we'll be right back with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
All right, let's do this. Let's talk much ado about Boimler. Much ado about Boimler. So this episode has a lot of interesting stuff in it. A lot of references to other Trek that we will get to as we go. But really two main plots with a very, very, very small C plot that's going on. Uh, the main plot is, well, okay, I'm, I'm not sure really what you would call the A plot. For you guys, is the A plot Mariner's story or Boimler's story? Mariner's. Right? Even though the episode's named after Boimler? Yep. Uh, so I want to just flat out say that I think the only thing that's bad about this episode is the title. <laughs> you don't like the title? I love the title. I don't think it's representative of the actual episode. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I thought okay. the Boimler story was probably the least interesting between Mariner and her friend Ramsey, as well as Tendi and her dog. Yeah. So I think they could have called it any of those. Or, I mean, much ado about Mariner, and it would have been just fine. Fair enough, fair enough. So, yeah, so let's break down these different plots. Uh, Because I guess we even have like a a super tiny D plot if we really want to get into it. So, Mariner's main story is her basically taking over temporarily as first officer for a visiting captain who is a friend of hers from the academy named Captain Ramsey. And she has like this elite squad of of bridge type senior officers and mariner is going to be her first officer so that's the main plot which side note what were those alien species on her her elite squad there was a vulcan yes um i believe a trill yes a trill is what it looked like but then the third one stumped me i i don't recognize that that face look i know that we've We've seen them. I think we've seen them in the background of of the show so far, but mm-hmm. I don't think we really have any information on it. Just looking at at Memory Alpha, he's supposed to be Rigelian, so from Rigel, okay. uh, right. which I guess works. I'm not yeah. overly familiar with the Rigelian people, so I, I can't no. say whether or not that's accurate. But he is supposed to be uh, Rigelian. So okay, okay that's that's um that's who that is and then as far as you know whether or not that's a trill i don't know i felt like it didn't look that much like a trill but that's what memory alpha says memory alpha says that she's a trill so that's what we're gonna go with okay unfortunately the trill that we have seen have all had the same color spots and she just had some that were a little different and Mm -hmm. so i assumed based on their outline that they were that she was still trill but her spots were just closer to her normal skin color than such a huge uh contrast like jedzy and esri have yeah that's fair fair. so that's that's the main story the secondary story is boimler ends up in a transporter accident rutherford is trying to modify the transporters and he gets phase shifted out uh a little bit and gets sent to the farm uh, to to get better. And there's a whole subplot there. The the Tindy plot, I guess, is a C plot, even though it's kind of connected to everything else that's going on. But she made a dog, mm-hmm. uh, which 
ends up tying in directly to Boimler's story. And then we have the real bridge crew with Captain Freeman. Uh, their bridge crew is going on a covert special mission to maybe plant some stuff. And I just want to call out really the, the only thing I think worth mentioning there at all is they have to be making fun of chain of command from TNG in this, the, the all black body suits and the, the training mm-hmm. that they're going on is exactly what we see. Uh, Picard, 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 Picard and Worf. That's when Picard and Worf had a transporter accident. Um, Picard, Worf and Crusher go on these covert missions wearing the exact same clothes mm-hmm. right right but doing much more interesting things than possibly make planting a plant oh right. my god i laughed so hard <laughs> when ramsey said that because when <laughs> freeman explained what they were doing i was like so they're maybe gonna plant seeds and then she says it and i was like <laughs> yes i thought i was just not grasping this but nope nope that, that was it that's the plan <laughs> seeds are volatile (laughs) so that was pretty funny it definitely made me laugh the connection to chain of command it's it's weird because if you're not familiar with that episode chain of command is a two-parter from tng in season six it is a very dark and heavy two-part episode where Mm -hmm. picard gets captured and tortured by cardassians this is a very serious episode um phenomenally written and acted by everybody involved but a very heavy episode so if you're going to poke a little fun at it, the outfits are what you do. You don't really poke fun at the message or the actual content because that seems callous. Right. And yeah. I mean, Amnesty International uh, has praised this episode even. The chain, its, chain of command, you mean? Yeah, for its examination of, of torture and what that looks like. Yeah, so it's kind of an interesting comparison there so yeah i think you're right ray like if you're gonna make fun of it at all this is a good way to reference it because it's really the only time that we've seen people wear this type of clothing so right but i think that's all we really can say about that particular story plot there's not really anything else that happens because it's outside of our our view well apparently everything goes well and they're all back before ramsey even leaves yeah his ransom hits on her that's right (laughs) That's right. And he gets his butt kicked mm-hmm. by Ramsey, which is great. He takes it well. He takes it well. Yeah, he seems like he's still into her. <laughs> <laughs> I get it, man. I get it. So uh, let's let's keep going from smallest story to largest story then. So next we have, we let's go to Tindy and her dog creation, which is basically the monster from the thing or something like that. I'm not <laughs> Right. Uh, Tindy's adorable and I love her and I think she's just great and this story is just silly and cute and mm-hmm. I liked it. I don't really have a whole lot to say about it other than that. Yeah. So I love that Mariner, Boimler, and Rutherford did their best to hide the fact that the dog was a freak and in the end, Tindy knew. She she planned it that way because she thought that's what dogs were. <laughs> So yeah, why? I, I why enjoyed that. I enjoyed the running joke that she doesn't know what dogs are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she knows what they look like, and that's as far as it goes. And then when she actually meets an Earth dog, she's like, "Ew!" <laughs> <laughs> it's like he can't talk or anything, and it licked me. And, and so like, th- 
that was just a fun story because we have so many like weird accidents on Star Trek and they're all accidents. No one knows what's supposed to happen. And this whole time she created, you know, a monster and she loves the monster. She's very happy with the monster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as a, like a side point to this whole story, I love before the credits roll, my favorite, one of my favorite lines of the episode is Mariner, who is just so exhausted, and this thing is creepy as hell, and she just says, someone wake me up if this turns into something that I need to worry about. Mm-hmm. Like, because I think we've all been that level of exhausted, especially in 2020, where you're like, uh, it can't get any worse. Like, I just need my sleep right now. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, there's a couple of moments that like are in the trailer or the the preview for the episode that are still really good in the episode. Like when the dog comes running in and then turns into the cube and keeps rolling. (laughs) Yes. It just hits really well. And I still, Mm -hmm. even though I knew that that scene was coming, it still made me laugh. And that's the mark of good comedic timing when you already know it's going to happen. And it still is funny. Yeah. Right. You know, I agree. Also, Derek, piggybacking on something you said earlier, um, how this is a, kind of a chain of command joke, there was an actual reference to Jellico, or a couple references to Jellico being the babysitter captain. And so I, I assume those those suits were an, an intentional reference to Jellico because they talked about him in this episode. That's smart. I, I can't believe I didn't make that connection. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's great. Yeah, so for people who, who haven't seen Chain of Command, Jellico is the guy who takes over command of the Enterprise D while Picard is off ship on his special mission. And there's tons of memes out there about Jellico jokes and, and things like yeah, that. There's a lot <laughs> that people have written. Um, but that's I totally missed that. That's a really good catch. It's a really good catch. Um, so before we leave the Tendi situation i just wanted to point out for anybody playing along at home that the dog when the dog talks at the end of the episode the person voicing the dog is jennifer hale who is a shepherd in the mass effect trilogy Mm -hmm. yes she also is um uh bastila in star wars uh knights of the old republic right yeah she does a lot of voice work for mm-hmm. cartoons and video games so so and doesn't she do another fun. voice in this episode because i looked on imdb yes. and i didn't see it she does she Durga. plays the vulcan durga that's right yeah yep so kind of cool nice little little note there for all for all the nerdy people she's also done voice work in a couple of star trek video games but oh, cool. mm-hmm. you know there looks like she voiced ala secura in a star wars uh thing it's cool stuff yeah. All right. Let's talk Boimler's story. So Boimler, of course, wants to suck up to the new temporary captain. And in doing so is a guinea pig for Rutherford's transporter experimentation that he's doing and gets out of out of shift and gets taken away by Division 14, which handles, quote, unsolvable space illnesses and science mysteries. That's what Tiana says to Boimler in sick bay. I mean, the whole the whole thing is a little cliche, right? Everything's really dark. The ship is kind of edgier, more like the vengeance and into darkness, right? It's in like a space storm with lightning and all the halls are dark with red lights to make it almost look like a Klingon ship on the inside. Mm-hmm. Did at any point were you guys like, this is obviously nonsense? Um, 
yeah i don't i don't remember exactly what point but like and honestly i think it was his laugh like his laugh was just so over the top like okay like i'm supposed <laughs> to think this guy is evil and then at the end of the episode they even address like okay this is just how i laugh um but yeah what species is he so he is edosian okay. which is really super freaking cool because we have not seen an edosian since the animated series the original animated series had uh a an edosian bridge officer on, on the bridge, he basically replaced Sulu or Chekhov, mm. Chekhov, not Got Sulu, Chekhov, excuse me, uh, on the ship, which is super cool. And, you know, obviously an incredibly difficult character to do in live action, right? Because sure. they have three of both limbs, three legs and three arms, um, totally alien, like head and neck and all of that kind of stuff. So this yeah. was like a perfect opportunity to bring one of these characters back. I know some people, including myself, were a little disappointed that there weren't any on the main crew because it would be a really great callback to the animated series, but it didn't take them long to, to bring somebody in. And so I thought that that personally was super cool. Yeah. The tadpole people were another, I don't remember their names now, but like they were another example of this is an alien species that would be very difficult to do. And uh... tadpole people. Yeah, the ones that they're helping with the water filtration in. Uh, oh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's another species that, like, it didn't feel off-putting or weird in a cartoon, but in a live-action show, that would have been very difficult to pull off. Yeah. I think you're definitely right. I think I think that's really fair. Um, there was one more thing that, that kind of follows that route, and that's when Boimler uh, shows up on the ship, and he's in that room with all the people who are also, <laughs> like, injured and things like that. There is a large amphibious type creature kind of a long laying on its stomach on a, a bed mm -hmm. and for those who may Anthony. not be hardcore voyager fans um <laughs> team lizard babies nah. out here that this is straight up a callback to threshold uh, season two mid-season two episode threshold widely considered to be one of the worst episodes of star trek I think it's hilarious to, to watch. I think it, it passes the point. It becomes fun, like a bad B movie. <laughs> and this is straight up from that. You know, like, go go look up Threshold on Memory Alpha, and the photo for the episode is a picture of them, and it's oh. perfect. It looks exactly like the, the cartoon. So that's exactly what they were going for. And I just, it really, really, as someone who loves Voyager a lot and has probably seen Voyager more, than the other shows i just like as far as like rewatch is concerned i just really enjoyed that i thought it was really great so yeah uh but let's let's talk more about about boimler's boimler's mission did anything stick out to you guys either good or bad that uh that comes from his his story arc well, he doesn't really have a mission. He's just kind of along for the ride. And I think it speaks a lot to his character that he just kind of jumps in without thinking about things. Uh, Rutherford flat out says that Mariner refused because all the kinks weren't out yet. And it's incredibly smart that she did so. Yeah. It's, that was an annoying little phase thing. Like, first of all, the sound the sound was awful the constant beaming noise and i loved how everybody around him was you know reacting to it it was so loud constantly so that was cool 
Uh, I did think that it was going to be a slightly dangerous situation and not just a giant red herring because, you know, we're so used to hearing the stories about parents saying that your dog is going to go to the farm. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I truly thought that once, you know, they got on board and the half uh, old man, half child says that this was the farm, uh, I was like, oh, all right. So this guy just pilots them around the galaxy. Yeah. But I am glad that there was actually a spa in the end because they all just they needed it except boimler boimler didn't need it but that's what you get dude <laughs> that is what you get mm-hmm. when you make dumb decisions you win stupid prizes <laughs> <laughs> that should be the quote of the night you make stupid decisions you win dumb prizes yep because that's it like he yeah he jumped in there and he totally bought into the whole spa thing then he tattles on everybody and then he's fine and he doesn't get to you know be pampered by these two hot aliens right as a side note backing up a little bit i like that there was a farm just Mm -hmm. because that seems more very that seems more track that seems more like the federation to take care of people that uh, have developed, you know, weird aberrational symptoms as a result of their service. Like that, that seemed mm-hmm. more on board. Um, I, and I also, I love that, that just the, the uh, juxtaposition of the journey of Mariner and Boimler in this episode. So Boimler's like, I want to do this thing and I'm not going to think twice about it because I want to brag to this new captain that I am, uh, you know, leadership material and then as a contrast which we haven't talked much about this yet and we'll get to that but like uh you know mariner's whole story is she's got what it takes and she's fantastic but she intentionally fucks up because she doesn't want to be recruited she's still figuring out where she wants to be where she, who she wants to be where she wants to go um mm-hmm. so the contrast of like you've got two characters trying very hard to do things that are not within their wheelhouse just because they're trying to control and manipulate a situation and i thought that was fun it's a good point it's a good point as far as boimler tattling like not you know tattling on everybody and all of that you've got like this pretty wide range of of people aliens creatures what have you that have been in accidents and everything did you think any of that went too silly do you think any of it was a little too much at any point I mean, the half old man, half, you know, half super aging, half reverse aging thing was, it was a little silly. I did like that they had two different, I assume two different voice actors or, you know, they had the voice actor do two different, very uh, unique tones. Mm-hmm. Um, that was fun, but it, it was a little, it was a little out there. Mm. Not like too much, you know, not, not inappropriately so, but it was, it was unique. It's fair, right? Anything you thought was too much? <laughs> Oh, oh, I I don't know with uh, with Mariner or with Boimler. <laughs> no, 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 with with the the people on the ship that Boimler has to go on the Osler, where got all it. The, the Sorry, people and stuff. Do you think any of any of those illnesses or injuries or mishaps? Do you think any of that went a little just too silly? No, I actually think it bordered on a bit of you know body horror mm. as much as it could. Uh, because that's all stuff that we've seen kind of in Trek, 
but it wasn't ever all at once. And the, it's been so kind of swept under the rug or like every series will deal with how shady or corrupt Starfleet can be or certain individuals in Starfleet. So when this guy is spouting off that this is that that this is what Starfleet does, they just sweep them under the rug. You know, it it kind of made me a little sad because the more like you watch DS9 and you find out all about Section 31 and how shady that is and then there's this and it's just it's a little sad because you want them to be the heroes you want Starfleet to be the good guys and if that was how they were going to play it out I was going to be a little sad that's fair I'm glad that it wasn't like that I'm glad that they actually do try to help these people and it may Mm -hmm. take a little bit of time but still sure no that's good and they they tie, they tie into that with the ship of course which i'm just going to mention because i love ships so the ship is the u.s the uss osler it is an nx class ship so for those who aren't familiar nx class ships are prototypes mm-hmm. so the original excelsior was an nx class ship uh, the enterprise from the tv show enterprise was an nx class ship and the first defiant well, uh, well, not the first Defiant. The Defiant on Deep Space Nine um, that they start with, that they get, whatever, is an NX-class uh, Defiant ship. So it, it's a prototype vessel. So this is the NX-75-300. And, you know, we, we don't know really anything about it. We don't know how many decks it is or how fast it is or anything like that. But it's an interesting design. It's very different from what the Feder- from what Starfleet tends to produce. It does have warp nacelles that are somewhat reminiscent of what we're used to, but it's a much darker design. It's a much edgier design. It looks a little bit more, almost more Romulan than Starfleet. Mm-hmm. Do either of you have an opinion on the Osler ship? I think the captain or the pilot, whoever he is at the end, the, the ferryman, uh, <laughs> I says it I think he says it all all the issues that like we could change the color scheme and brighten things up and like yeah you probably should have done that a long time ago so people didn't think <laughs> they were prisoners on their way to death like right maybe. he he was very incompetent as a character and it's you know the argument can be made that he was more incompetent than Boimler because Boimler yeah he was a tattletale and he was he was doing his thing for for self-serving purposes and -hmm. yet he had a good point he's like okay like if we just talk about this and communicate then maybe there won't be an uprising and this guy's like well there's yeah there's a mutiny and like he's grabbing his gun and losing his shit and it's like oh my god like you escalated this like you had the information you needed to make a good choice and you didn't and in the Mm -hmm. end of the episode you're like yeah we could turn up the lights and change the decor and you know maybe we should just talk to each other instead of blood (laughs) instead of emotion and, and right. like, I loved that moment where Boimler's like, oh, you think? Like, I, I mean, I, I hate to be in a position to defend Boimler, but, like, he right. <laughs> he had a good point, and this guy just totally blew things up out of proportion. Like, this whole plot was very much a red herring uh, meant for some cheap thrills, and it was entertaining, but I think we've said, like, it, it's not the most interesting part of this episode, for sure. Mm-hmm. 
Fair. All right. Well, then let's do this. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we'll wrap up with Mariner's story, the A plot from the episode. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. All right, let's do this. Let's talk Mariner's storyline with her friend Captain and all that good stuff. So Captain Ramsey's got her little group, and they're from the same graduating class, Ramsey and Mariner. So Mariner could have been a captain at this point is basically what this tells us. We know that she hasn't really wanted to climb the ladder, that when she does get promoted, she finds some way to get knocked back down to Ensign. We've known that, but we haven't really known quite how long she's been in Starfleet, how much time has really passed, right? We saw her in an older style uniform during a flashback once. We know that she's pretty seasoned and has a lot of experience, but now we know that if she had really applied herself, she could be a captain at this Mm -hmm. point. So there's a lot going on here, right? There's two different main missions that, that happened during this plot. And in both of them, at least beginning Mariner is bad at her job she's forgetful she's absent-minded she's mistake-ridden all the things we know that she's not when she is trying to do stuff Mm -hmm. so what did you guys think of this storyline what jumped out at you about this well first of all it it really pinpoints why mariner has been my least favorite character this whole time it's because she self-sabotages and she does it knowingly if she wants to stay at the bottom so badly then uh it's not because of all the pressure that her parents put on her because you know she has zero pressure coming from her her best friend and she still refuses to rise to the occasion because she's just afraid of a job offer like that's your best friend be honest turn it down say you don't want to leave the cerritos or something Mm -hmm. but she her self-sabotage is so intense and so frustrating that it makes me not like the character so i'm glad the show finally pointed that out That's fair. Yeah. yeah, I think I think my biggest problem is that like we don't really know the why. Right? Like yeah, okay, she doesn't want to get promoted, but why doesn't she want to get promoted? We mm-hmm. thought it was because of her parents, right? But at this mm-hmm. point like she just doesn't want the responsibility. Right. Is that really all that it is? Like cuz she's a great officer. She's got great instincts. She's incredibly intelligent. What is it that is holding her back? And she does rise to the occasion we've seen that in multiple episodes where she completely saves people but she only does it when it is life or death yeah right yeah when she knows that she needs to save somebody then all of her skills are out in front and she's able to achieve but when it's not that when it's anything other than life or death she just doesn't care right yeah her 
her excuse in this episode, or not excuse, but her reasoning or whatever you want to call it, you know, that like she just needs some time to figure out her like I, I get that. It also came across a little bit like um Buffy's little monologue to Angel and Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where she's talking about how she's cookie dough and she's just not, you know, done yet. And so she needs to like wait in the oven and like it just and I didn't I didn't I didn't really like that analogy or that speech from her either. Like it just felt like you just don't know what you want and we're expected as viewers to, you know, mm-hmm. be okay with that. Um but I, I think ultimately there's a lot that we don't know about this character. And I hope, uh, God, I, I hope the writers know. <laughs> I hope the writers have a plan other than like, this is someone who's just not motivated and doesn't give a shit because I don't, I don't need it. I don't need that in a show. I mean, it's cool to see that represented in Star Trek because that's, you know, that, that's me most days. But, but I, I want to see her grow and I want to see her rise above that. I agree. It's a, it's not just like, the one speech from Buffy because Buffy rises to the occasion all the time yeah and when she actually can't when she has to take something less than like uh, her job at the burger place she is miserable because she knows she's destined for greatness and she usually is like the best the greatest and Uh, she's still very, you know, honest with herself and modest, but she just can't handle defeat. Whereas Mariner seems to love it, Mm -hmm. you know, even at the beginning of the episode and it's, it's used for um, comedy, but she says like, wake me up if the, I need to worry about the dog, you know, the other two are freaking out that this dog is a monster and she's like i'll care when it's life or death right mm-hmm. and you know i imagine at some point they're gonna have to break out of that i don't know mm-hmm. if it's gonna be this season next necessarily or if it'll be next season but i don't think a character can really continue that way and stay interested no. well the end game for this character is that she's gonna be a captain like that there's no other way this character can end in a way that i will respect and appreciate like it's clear that that's where she needs to be she's just not ready for it i agree and i'm just curious how they'll handle that from a narrative perspective because the show is lower decks she can't just become captain and stay the lead on the show right Mm -hmm. i feel like that's a season finale thing i feel like we're working with a very limited uh premise or the show changes or there's a spinoff you know there's possibilities oh sure yeah yeah that's fair so, so yeah, so, you know, she's, she's making a lot of mistakes. Uh, see, now we know on purpose and Ramsey's fellow, you know, senior officers are not happy about this, especially Druga. The, the Vulcan is very frustrated about the situation. You know, Mariner just forgets the tricorders, which I don't know. That's a little, it's a little weird. Like if I'm, you know, maybe it's semantics at this point, but like, I've seen, I've seen a lot of Star Trek. They always just beam down with their own tricorders i've never Mm -hmm. seen someone with a pack of tricorders hand them out after a beam down you know it's not like they took a shuttle or something so i don't know but either way the point is right that she's being absent-minded that she's not taking her role seriously but then they go to uh the other ship and you know they're trying to find all these people and nobody can be found nobody knows where anybody is and we discover that there is an alien being inside the the bulkheads of the USS Rubido 
which is a really cool idea. That's something I don't recall Star Trek ever doing. Definitely not like this. And I just thought it was super interesting and super unique. At first I misunderstood and I thought they meant there was just a, like they had flown inside of a giant creature, mm-hmm. you know, like kind of like, um, you know, the, the whale, right. That's kind what I thought too, that they all went like, yeah, Pinocchio and Monstro. Yeah. I totally thought the exact same thing. And like, don't get me wrong. That could have been really cool, right? Star Wars did it. And you know, it's, it's been done in literature a bunch of times and it can be make for a really cool action sequence, but that's not what they did. It was much more unique. It was something that, you know, is something that is Star Trek specific that you Mm -hmm. can do. And I loved it. I thought that was super cool. It's the first time we've seen what uh, these kind of like space vessel aliens since the encounter at Farpoint, the pilot of the next generation that we were talking about earlier. That's the one and only other time we've ever seen an alien like this, mm-hmm. which is super neat. It's a cool callback. It's um, a unique situation. It, it opens up a lot of questions that I have. I have a lot of questions because does that mean the Rubido was always an alien and it was just transforming? Did this alien mm. somehow get born or lost inside of it when it was young and it grew up inside of the bulkheads? Because in in the uh, the next generation pilot, the spaceship, the alien spaceship, is the alien. Right. Right. When they when they beam inside the alien spaceship, they're literally inside the alien. The Farpoint Station is the alien. It's not inside the bulkheads. It is the bulkheads. And this is a big difference, right? Because this is living inside of the metal. So I do kind of wonder how it got there. Yeah, there's a lot we don't know about that backstory for sure. Um, and, and, and the idea of a ship with a something living inside of it is no longer that foreign to us because of the discovery and my seal little network. Um, so it wouldn't be... Uh, unprecedented for a ship to have always had a living, you know, being as part of it. You know, mm-hmm. you mentioned Encounter at Farpoint, but like, I feel like the Star Trek Discovery made it more like, okay, this is a thing. We're aware of it, and we're gonna just keep rolling with it. Like, this is our our travel method. Ray, what about you? Any thoughts on the the space vessel alien life form? I absolutely adore giants aliens that uh, live in space you know I love the idea because you know humankind has been taught for a very long time now that nothing can survive in space and so between the giant tardigrade in discovery and now this uh, it's it's just absolutely beautiful and it, so I don't have much more to say about it. I don't really have an opinion or any deep thoughts. I just really enjoyed the imagery it created. That's fair. That's fair. So, of course, everyone gets rescued. They're out of phase because of the transporter thing, but it's a temporary problem, right? They they all come back to normal at a certain point. So that's good news for everyone. Is there anything else that happens in this episode that you think is important for us to touch on here? I think her friend calling her out was very important. Ramsey her, calling out Mary yes. when they're on the Rubidoux. Yeah. I liked yeah. their relationship. Cause that's what a good friend does. So many people believe that you have to be a hundred percent 
complicit with your friends and you don't. If you notice them behaving differently or sabotaging themselves or being self-destructive, you have every right to say what is going on. And that's exactly what Ramsey did. And I think for a one-off, maybe only time we see her kind of character, depending on how this season and next season goes, like that's, that's wonderful. That shows that she's actually a really good friend. And Mm -hmm. if she comes back, it makes her an even better character. That's fair. I'm good with it. Zach, anything else from you? No, that uh, that hits everything that I we, we we've touched on everything that I thought was was relevant. I think this is a really good episode. Uh, definitely top three for me. Cool. And uh, yeah, I, I think the show continues to get better. I see a lot of strong negative opinions on the internet, like, oh, like this isn't canon. This is just dumb. Like this is silly. And I'm like. I've just at this point committed to ignoring it all and just enjoying Star Trek because life's too short to be butthurt about Star Trek. There's plenty of other things to be upset about right now. Well, there's, there's, there's also this idea of people deciding their own Canon and it's not up to the fans to determine what Canon is for Star Trek because Mm -hmm. CBS and Paramount Viacom have determined and do determine what is canon in Star Trek. Now, as fans, we can make pushes for things. For example, there was a big fan push to have the animated series included in canon because it used to not be included, and now it is. And that's a positive fan movement to have Star Trek included. But that doesn't mean you can just say, well, this episode sucks, so it doesn't count. It didn't happen. Or this show's not for me, so it didn't happen. It doesn't count. Yeah. I mean, you can ignore it if you want to, but it is canon. Lower Decks is canon in the prime timeline, right? And the three uh, bad robot films are canon films in the Kelvin timeline that tie into the prime timeline in events that uh, take place prior to Star Trek Picard, right? We're living in the aftermath of the events that future Spock comes back from. So, you know, those are just the realities of that universe. There's a Star Trek universe. There are events that occurred within that universe. And these are them. These events occurred in that universe, what we talked about today. Tendi built a creepy dog creature that can fly and talk. That happened in the Star Trek universe roughly in the year 2380. So, there you go. One, uh... Sorry, go ahead, Ray. Oh, I was just gonna say, like, I, I wish people would just bring back the days of just flat out saying, you know what? I just don't like this show or I don't in, I didn't enjoy that episode or, you know, cause frankly, the, like, that's more honest. Mm-hmm. You're not in denial as a fan and you're also not pushing your opinions off as facts, which is complete bullshit. Yeah, it yeah. really is. It's a selfish thing to do as a fan. You can't decide what is and isn't canon for everybody else. That's not how your job as a fan works. If you don't like CBS Trek, don't watch it. There's 50 other years worth of content for you to watch. Yeah. You know, even if you just pick one show and you put it on a loop for a year, you're still 
going to have a decent amount of content to watch. Right. But for some of these personalities, it's about control. It's like, Mm -hmm. I don't like that other people are enjoying something that has a similar name to a thing that I enjoy. And so they get butthurt that other people are enjoying themselves. So well, one of my personal favorites, one, one one of my favorite phrases to use about any show or anything ever is, you know what, this didn't work for me. Yep. Like, I think that's like, to piggyback on what you're saying, Ray, I think it is totally valid to say, and I don't feel this way, but I think it's totally valid to say, you know what, Lower Decks just, it doesn't work for me. It's not my show. That's fine. Right. But that doesn't yuck anybody else's yum. It doesn't insist that um, other people feel the way you feel about it. It just says, you know what, it's just not my thing. I love Star Trek and maybe I don't like this one show and that's fine. I'm not insisting anybody else feel the way I feel, but it just didn't work for me. And then, I mean, you can say that about any of the movies or any of the shows. And I don't know, that's the kind of um, infinite diversity and infinite combinations, uh, and, and welcoming acceptance that I would like to see more of in the Star Trek fan base as of late. I completely agree. It, like, because for the people that truly enjoy it, it does chip away at their spirit if they're constantly defending something just because they like it. Right. You Absolutely. know, it, it's not really fair for them to have to say, oh, but I actually enjoy this. And you say, and they get back like, oh, well, you're dumb. or Right. This is a real wrong. trick. Like, yeah, the JJ films were a lot of people's first exposure to the Star Trek universe, and that's awesome. This show, mm-hmm. Lower Decks, might be someone's first exposure to the Star Trek universe, and I would just love to see the fan base rallying around that and saying, "Cool, welcome aboard. We've got a lot of other cool shows you might want to check out," and not saying, "Oh, you're dumb because your first Star Trek movie was 2009, and you're an idiot for liking it." Like that's not productive. That's not helpful. Right. Alrighty, well, we're going to go ahead and wrap things up after that tangent. Um, <laughs> it was relevant. One, <laughs> one final uh, fun fact for the episode. So Fred Tadascori, who usually voices Shax, who's the Bajoran tactical officer, who is in the episode but doesn't talk, he did voice the Adosian officer on the Oscar. Oh, cool. So oh, his, that's cool. Yeah, his voice does make it in to the episode, which is pretty neat. So there you go. But that's, that's going to be it for us this week on Red Shirts and Runabouts, your Star Trek home on the Heroes Podcast Network. Like I said earlier, we are going to be off next week, and we will return the week after with a double episode covering both episodes 8 and 9 of Star Trek Lower Decks Season 1. Thank you very much for joining us. If you uh, want to follow us, we're out pretty much everywhere on your podcast apps of choice. Go ahead and find us on Spotify, Podcast Addict, Spreaker. You can drop us reviews on multiple platforms as well. So please go ahead and do that. Zach, if people want to talk to you about Star Trek new and old, how may they find you in the social media verse? You can add me on Twitter uh, at AvengerZS. And Ray, if people want to talk to you about what your thoughts were on Deep Space Nine, how might they find you? Oh, please do. Uh, I'm at Siren Ray on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And I'm at the Star Trek Dude. Come talk to me about Star Trek movies and video games. You can find us at Red Shirts Pod 
or heroespodcast.com and the Heroes Podcast Network. Please join our Star Trek forum on Facebook, facebook.com slash groups slash red shirts and runabouts. We post news, memes, polls, tournaments, just fun conversation. And you can watch the show live when we do stream it on Thursday nights and you can chat with us during the show. So thank you everyone who joined us live. Otherwise, subscribe, listen. We will catch you in two weeks. Live long and prosper. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.